You are listening to Uplift podcast on personal branding and thought leadership for experienced professionals and business leaders. Here Marina Vishnikova and Elena Ivanushkina with you, the co-founders of Top Expert Brand Accelerator. And we are discussing today how to turn obstacles into differentiation points and build a strong personal brand with our guest Sigrun. Uh, it's great, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm originally from Iceland. Uh, now I live in Iceland, Switzerland. And uh, I was a CEO for a decade. I have four master's degrees. So as you can imagine, it was not easy for me to find a job uh, when I moved to Switzerland. And so ultimately, after trying two uh, opportunities, that I needed to start my own business. I started my business in uh, 2014. So now it's been uh, just over seven years. And I uh, run a multiple seven-figure coaching business. I uh, train women, mostly women, we have a few men too, uh, to start and scale their own businesses. I would say the majority of my clients are female coaches. Uh, in all kinds of different areas. Uh, you could even imagine a dog trainer being a coach, uh, but as well as executive coaches and, and, and life coaches uh, and business coaches and marketing coaches. Uh, but typically, uh, I don't call it coaches. It's just people want to help other people uh, make their lives better or grow their businesses. And I encourage women to think bigger uh, and therefore uh, helping Several of them uh, go to seven figures all the way, but many just want to go to six figures. Thank you very much, Sigrun. Today we'll discuss personal uh, brand. And first of all, we wanted to maybe put the frame what we are talking about, because uh, there are a lot of definitions of uh, personal brand. And I think the concept is uh, evolving very quickly. And in 2021, we can uh, talk about this uh, new reality and it's affected uh, as well. Uh, first of all, um, with the new normal, uh, we all uh, went uh, online. So there is no uh, or very little face-to-face uh, -face networking available now. And if you are not present online, if you don't know how to articulate yourself, how to position yourself, how to become visible, what to say and to whom, then you are really limit yourself in terms of either career growth or business development. Uh, so let's say this is the must skill we all need to have nowadays. Another trend, I think, which is shaping personal brand is going to authenticity versus PR. Some time ago, personal brand mm -hmm. was really seen as a uh, PR strategy. So we uh, drive the ideal uh, image of an expert, uh, specialist, uh, professional, and then try to convince people that we represent this image. It doesn't work anymore. What people value a lot is authenticity, really projecting you as you are. Maybe, of course, your uh, positive and bright side, but still, which is you. Your values, uh, your beliefs, your uh, vision uh, of life, and your messages, what you believe in, what you would like to share with others. So uh, everything goes from within. Uh, to outside. Uh, it's, um, people are uh, tired from marketing messages, they are tired from artificial polished uh, presentations uh, of um, individuals, so they want to see human. 
And if you talk about uh, human, yeah, Marina, I'll let you continue here. Yes, and mm -hmm. it's really a trend now, and we hear it from everywhere that people buy from people. And I can clearly see it also when um, we work with uh, our customers and with people at our programs, uh, because when people try to position themselves just using their company and uh, using their co corporate pages, you really don't see who's behind. But when people, entrepreneurs, experts make that leap and start presenting themselves and start sharing on social media their values, their positioning, what they stand for, it really makes a huge difference. And in addition, we see personal branding as a very strategic thing because uh, when you have a strategy, you can really get a lot of results. And uh, mentioning this, I would like to ask a question to Sigrun. Sigrun, how do you see personal branding? What is it for you to have a strong personal brand? This episode is sponsored by Top Expert Brand Mastermind Program, our 10 weeks step-by-step -step immersive online program for leaders, experienced professionals and entrepreneurs seeking to become visible and to grow powerfully their personal brand. Visit topexpertbrand.com slash programs to learn more and sign up for an interview for the next cohort. I think these are two questions. What is a personal brand and what does it mean to you, uh, to me? Uh, to me, a personal brand is when uh, you have a brand stronger, like you have created a brand around your persona, and uh, if you just think of uh, two examples, like Richard Branson and Elon Musk, uh, unfortunately, I have two male examples. I should maybe next time have a woman in there. Uh, but think about these two uh, personalities. Uh, they have a very strong brand. Uh, I would say almost everyone on the planet knows their name, but they own a lot of companies. And maybe you don't know the name of all their companies. And in the case of Elon Musk, Tesla has less followers. If you just go on Twitter, you're going to see less followers of Tesla and more followers of Elon Musk. Uh, he has built a very strong personal brand and he could basically, you know, build and sell companies and people would still continue to follow the personal brand. I think what's been overlooked is uh, that people, even if you're employed, even if you're not an owner of a business, you still need to build a personal brand. And I've seen this uh, happen very successfully, especially if someone is a blogger for a company, they become like a name and that's easy for them, of course, then to get the next job because they've built a personal brand while working for someone else. What does it mean for me? I knew always that I wanted to build a personal brand I saw the strength of a personal brand already seven years ago when I started. So I decided to name my company Sigrum. I have trademarked my name. My website is sigrum.com. So I obviously uh, carefully thought about this before I started. I realized uh, I wasn't so sure in the beginning what my business would do. I knew I was going into coaching. I knew I was a business coach. But what kind of business would it do? How would it look like two years from now or even 10 years from now? Now I'm seven years in and I'm definitely not doing what I was doing in 2014 or 15. It's not maybe drastically different, but what if I had picked a name? If I had picked a name seven years ago, my business would have been called turning your passion to profits or the passion driver or the profit passion accelerator. I would have called my business something like that. 
And that would totally not feel aligned with what I do today. So a personal brand goes well beyond any company name. It survives ups and downs in the economy. And that's why I think uh, that's the best bet you can make on your business is to build a strong personal brand. And when it comes to building a personal brand, uh, we hear it a lot that it's actually a job that you need to do and people start being overwhelmed when they think that they need to work on their personal brand, that they need to do so much stuff, that they need to be consistently and all the time posting on social media, that they need to be out there all the time. And uh, for us with Elena, it was a bit of a challenge to help people understand that it's actually not that overwhelming. It's just about the strategy. And for that, we have created our own methodology that we called Uplift. And it's about following these exact steps in order to get the desired results, in order to become visible and in order to grow your personal brand. There are two big, uh, let's say, steps uh, in uh, growing your brand. is first to formulate it, and then to execute means really uh, working on growing it. And we see a lot of people start to um, try to start from the middle, actually, from the communication piece, and they think they need to um, post something on social media, and the question is what to post. But if you don't do the previous work of formulation, the brand, it's really difficult to answer those questions, what to post to be uh, efficient and not to spend all time uh, online. So formulate phase is really um, deep dive in your uh, inner self, understand yourself. So what is important for you? What is your why? What is your mission, purpose? What is your vision if you reach everything what you want to uh, achieve? What would it be? So this um, internal work is uh, very important and it's connected with self, uh, building self-awareness, knowing your uh, strengths, knowing how to uh, turn, turn your weaknesses into advantage. And then once you're clear with this internal work, there is a phase of packaging it, let's say, for communication because uh, the, uh, each person is the whole world. And we can't translate everything about us, even uh, if it's uh, interesting and it's our story. We need somehow to um, concise it to very clear and focused messages. And after do the, uh, we do that, then we can go to communicate. We would um, ask uh, Sigrun because uh, we know that uh, in your when you start your business in uh, 2014, uh, there was a key uh, points like vision and um, your why, your passion. Uh, could you share with us uh, how you start actually? building your brand? Well, in the beginning, it was all about uh, figuring out what I wanted to do. So there was a lot of, uh, you know, testing. Uh, I did some free offers to figure out what resonated with the people that were around me. Building the personal brand was maybe not in the forefront. I was obviously using my name and, you know, I had my website with my name and uh, I was, uh, you know, communicating as a personal brand, but I was not so much into defining what it was and what it wasn't. Mm -hmm. uh, 
my vision was more related to my personal goals. Like I wanted to create a location independent business. I was very much looking for that uh, flexibility and freedom uh, that a, a so-called lifestyle business could provide me with. So that's why I was drawn to building an online business. I did not want to uh, have an office. I had already run companies with 70 employees. Now I wanted to work from home, uh, have that freedom and flexibility. So I was very much focusing on figuring out uh, what would I offer you know, what kind of offers resonated? Who was my ideal client? And I was working on all of that in the first instance. And I think that is important to figure out. Uh, I think that for me, the realizing that I was building a personal brand, maybe that realization came later. You know, even though if I was using my name from the very beginning, I wasn't so focused. So let's say, for instance, I always wear red. It's my signature color, my signature brand. It's a huge part of how people remember me. Oh, it's the woman who always wears red. <laughs> and uh, that did not happen in the first year. And I think we have to realize that some of these things around personal branding are organic. You know, you start to do something and you see it resonates with your audience and then you do more of it. So, but yes, I had a vision of first, you know, creating a lifestyle business. I don't even call it a lifestyle business anymore. That word doesn't resonate with me anymore because now I have a multiple seven-figure business. So it doesn't sound so much like a lifestyle business anymore. But that was the beginning. Uh, my true vision to accelerate gender equality <coughs> entrepreneurship, that got formulated a bit later, but my why was always clear since I've been 16 years old. I want to help women make their dreams come true. And I want to do that uh, through the fact that they build their own business and that they think bigger. So I guess because you're asking if this was all clear before I started my business, <laughs> yes and no. To be really honest, I think in my back of my head, my why has always been there. That's unchanged. And I think everyone has a why, whether they realize it or not. Uh, but the formulated vision, uh, you know, how, how I really... Uh, share in concrete sentences what I do and why I do it that was not clear from day one and that uh, you know came better as I got to know my ideal client better as I knew what offers to present to them and then you know things like you know wearing red that came later it's always been my favorite color but uh, in the middle of my first year I started to run Facebook ads and I was doing weekly webinars and in my first Facebook ads, I was just using the colors of the topic that I was presenting. Let's say I was doing a webinar on Evernote, then the ad was green. There was an elephant and, you know, there were all kinds of tools in the ad. Next week I was doing MailChimp and I was like, oh, do I put a monkey in my ad for MailChimp? <laughs> and I realized this is creating a lot of extra work for me. Uh, this is like, am I, am I going to switch my ads from blue to orange to yellow to green? That doesn't make any sense. So then I thought, I'll use red. I made my ad red. And I just put the name of the weapon on the top. And then there was a, you know, like a profile picture, these circle ones with my face. And that was like, yes. I'm onto something because people then started to tell me, I always know when it's your ad because it's red. 
And uh, I always, I even today I get screenshots. If someone has an ad similar to my ads, people screenshot it to me. Someone is copying your ads, Sigrun, or copying your brand. And if someone else wears red in a conference, they're like, I'm so sorry, I'm wearing your color, Sigrun. Like it's, it's taken on a life of its own that I could never have imagined. But sometimes it's like serendipity, like, you know, how things come together. Thank you, Sigrun, for sharing that. And I have another question for you. When we just start our business, uh, we all know that it's not a, an easy path. And uh, we need to really be very mindful, let's say, there about not giving up. So I am wondering, what was your motivation from the very beginning? You had your why, you had your purpose, but what was uh, motivating you when maybe you had some, um, let's say, not very great moments and not very great days in your business? I guess uh, I have a very strong sense of uh, perseverance. I don't give up. <laughs> That's literally how I'm built. Uh, and I've been this my whole life. Uh, it, it takes a lot for me to give up. So I guess I will go through, you know, uh, fire and water, whatever you call it, uh, and, and, and do a lot of things before I ever consider giving up. And I think there was never a point of me giving up. I think there was just a point where I realized I don't know the next step. I don't know how to, you know, turn what I've created into uh, a success. Uh, and I, I, I wasted possibly time and, and a lot of frustration trying to do everything on my own in the beginning because I thought, hey, I've done an online course on how to build an online business and I have 10 years experience as a CEO and I have my, all my master's degrees. I must be able to figure this out. And then nine months into my business, I had built an email list of 1,500 people, which was pretty good. I was doing my weekly webinars, but I didn't see enough uh, revenue coming as a result of all this work. So I was working very hard, but not seeing really the monetary results. And I realized I needed some help. And I didn't need a lot of help. It was just like a little bit of help to, to, uh, to get how you launch. And that was really the, the key for me. So I think it was... Not, not the moment of giving up, but the moment where you realize I cannot figure this out on my own. I need some help. I hired a special launch business coach uh, from Australia for six weeks. And that was all I needed. You know, uh, she gave me all the recipes and templates and whatever you need to launch. And uh, it something clicked in my head. I'm like, that's it. This is how it works. I can do it now. Uh, and just after working with her for a few weeks, I was, you know, off to the races and I, I didn't even hire anyone to help me for the next uh, 18 months uh, until I started to join masterminds. Because I do realize you always, you cannot coach yourself. You always need a coach. And it's so good to surround yourself with other people, not just one person. I don't believe in, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching. I believe in being a part of a community of, uh, of people that are either doing the same thing as you or even further so that you are pulled forward to uh, you know, realize more. Yeah, I can't agree more about the importance of uh, environments and uh, environment can elevate you 
or uh, in the contrary, the wrong environment, it even can decrease your um, abilities. And uh, we are big fans of uh, mastermind um, concept as well. And I think another thing is happening in masterminds uh, is this collective intelligence, because when you have this uh, synergy of uh, great minds thinking together, there's something else uh, emerging, which uh, individual one by one on one on one conversation, you wouldn't get there. So everybody builds on others' uh, points of view, and then you have really uh, very nice uh, ideas or insights. When we start executing our ideas and when we start executing our personal brand, it comes to choosing your touch points and it comes to implementing all those internal resources that you have in order to grow as an expert and as a personal brand. And I would like to ask Sigrun, uh, Sigrun for you, what were the crucial touch points that you chose for yourself in order to grow your business? The, the points of contact with, with your audience. Yes, your points of contact. We know that you have a wonderful podcast. Uh, for example, I, I'm listening to your podcast uh, and it's really inspiring and you get there a lot of tips. So I, I suppose that this is one of your points of contact that you chose from the very beginning as your strategic approach to reach your target audience. Could you please tell us a bit more? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't start my podcast until in my fourth year of business. I think uh, podcasting is a tricky beast and uh, you should not jump into it and start it too early. It's very crowded market today. And uh, anyone who comes to me and says, I want to start a podcast. And I'm like, have you tried some other means to grow your audience first? Because podcasting is, is not easy to grow. And I think uh, it's better if you try other avenues first. Uh, I, I really built up as I just shared before, I hit on, uh, I try, started to try webinars and I was six months into my business. My email list was maybe 300 people and uh, my revenue was like, you know, thousand, two thousand dollars a month. And I started weekly webinars and that was turned out to be my way of, of building an audience, connecting with my audience, letting them know what I know. Uh, building that trust. So when I finally actually launched the program in the fall, I had been, I had a loyal audience for three to four months who had been getting weekly 60 minute, you know, pitch free content from me. And uh, then it came like the floodgates opened. I made $55,000 in three months. And uh that was something that you know people have to think about you have to build you have to build and nurture your audience and and once you have that you know uh make an offer that resonates with them i actually made the mistake of making the wrong offer i was so fixed on creating an online course because i thought online business you have an online course but of course you can build an online business with one-on-one -on -one coaching but in my mind i definitely wanted the freedom and flexibility of an online course and the business coach, this Australian woman that I told you about before, said, Sigrun, I think you do, should do a one-on-one -on -one coaching, like one-on-one -on -one packages first. And I'm like, no, no, I want online course. I want an online course. So I didn't create it, luckily. You never should create a course. Always sell it first. See if people buy it. And then you create it. Uh, and I created a sales page. No course created. And 
600 people sign up for a webinar. I'm all excited about launching my first online course. And one person bought because I had not actually checked what people wanted from me. I refunded this person and I thought, oh my God, I've invested 5,000 into a business coach. I've spent, you know, probably another thousand on webinar registration. So this was a big investment for someone who's not, you know, making thousand for 2,000 a month. This is like, this was heading into disaster. But then we had the brilliant idea of emailing my audience and telling them my journey so far, because for other beginners, my journey was still impressive. I had been building my list consistently with weekly webinars, and I had been making some money, even, even if it wasn't a much. And I just shared it, honestly. And then I offered people to book uh, free, uh, we called it uh, free business breakthrough sessions with me, 30 minutes. 90 people booked. I was busy for the next three weeks taking all these calls and people were literally waiting to work with me. So I just hadn't asked them what they wanted to do, but they wanted all to work with me. So I was fully booked for the next six months. So that was definitely the tipping point that you asked about before. And weekly webinars were the first tool. Now, after 100 webinars, doing them almost weekly, sometimes I had two weeks in between because I was getting a little bit tired and didn't have... Uh, so many new ideas because the topics were always different. It was never the same webinar. And then I realized that I wanted to go back to blogging. I tried that for a little bit and I was like getting tired of that. And I realized, okay, I need to find a new way to communicate with my audience that doesn't exhaust me. Uh, the weekly webinars were exhausting in a way that you always have to get registration. You know it yourself, you know, you have registration for this webinar and imagine you're doing it weekly. Uh, it's quite a lot of work. Uh, the blogging was just exhausting me because when I sat down and wanted to write, even if I love writing, it just took me a lot of energy to, to find the time and focus to write. So I started to think seriously about the podcast. I was working with a business coach and he discouraged me from doing it. He said, yeah, you're always interviewing people. The funny thing is, this business coach today is launching her podcast now in 2021. <laughs> and I am the first guest on her podcast. <laughs> and she told me in 2016 not to launch a podcast. I decided not to listen to her. So even if you need a coach, sometimes you need to not listen to your coach if you disagree with them. So in 2017, August 2nd, I launched a podcast. I did 100 episodes in 100 days. And that's another thing to think about. I did weekly webinars. I did, I did a more than most people are willing to do. I did 100 episodes in 100 days. That's also more than most people are willing to do. And I think these are, you know, continuous tipping points. Like you can create those tipping points in your business by creating a massive amount of content in a limited time. So if 100 sounds too much to you, it could be doing 30 Facebook Lives, 30 days in a row. And if you enjoy doing it, then you send it to 100. But you need to do something to stand out. And it's not by doing things necessarily like everyone else is doing them. Wow. Thank you very much for sharing that, Sigrun. And uh, this really definitely says a lot about you and about your way to success. And I think that, uh, yes, you, you said you, you were doing what not many people were willing to do and what they were not doing. Because uh, when you think really 
about doing weekly webinars, then recording weekly interviews to post it on your podcast. And I guess you were also posting it on your YouTube channel, right? So it's a huge amount of work. Even the preparation part that nobody sees, it's really hours of work, hours of uh, energy that you need to invest into that, thinking, creating, and you need to make it always uh, at your best. So this is definitely a very important thing, I think, as a takeaway for all of our participants and for all people who are willing to build their brand, build the sustainable business. But yes, you need to work. And if you will not be working and working strategically, putting all you into what you are doing, perhaps it's also about your passion. But sometimes you do the things that uh, you are not so passionate about, but you need to do that in order to get results. But also you need to have that passion and be willing to do all those things. So this is really amazing. And uh, Sigrun, I would like to check with you about storytelling. How do you use it when you communicate with your audience? Because for example, when I first saw you on social media, what I read, it was the first thing about your story of being at uh, Tony Robbins uh, event where you also met your husband, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. How do you use storytelling and how it helps you to attract your audience maybe and people who have the same values and same things and thoughts? Well, actually today, this is a great day because today it's 13 years since I met my husband at a Tony Robbins seminar. So exactly today. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> and, uh, I wrote a blog post about that experience as well. Uh, if people want to look it up, it's sigrun.com forward slash love story. I started to write uh, emails I subscribed to a lot of newsletters when I was starting my business. And I think one of the best ways to learn good copy or storytelling is to subscribe to other people's emails and read them and see if they resonate with you. And in the beginning, uh, my emails were probably quite fact-based. I was like, hmm, I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this is right for me. And I, I without anyone teaching me this or learning it from anywhere, I just kind of felt it was right to tell stories. Now, I've been telling stories since I was a child. I was writing stories as a, as a small child. So I think I'm a natural storyteller and maybe it comes more easily to me too than some other people. But I realized the power of storytelling as I started to tell stories in my emails and I started to get the feedback from my audience. Sigrun, I read all your emails, even if you're selling something and I don't want to buy. So that's what you want to get to, that your emails are so exciting that even if you're selling something, people do not unsubscribe if they are your ideal client. And you do that by, you know, really telling personal stories. Everything is a story. Literally, just today, I can think of two, three stories, even if I'm sitting at home. And yes, I got one guy to come and measure some curtains for me, but, you know, there are some stories just already in my life happening today, which I can turn into a story for my audience. Now you gotta have some time to sit down and that's probably when you get more busier. Like now I actually have two people on my team that write for me stories, but they take often content that I've already shared in a video and write it up. So that saves me a lot of time because writing good stories uh, does require uh, some time. 
we are wired to listen to stories and it is important that you think of writing to one friend. This is why a lot of emails today don't have any images, don't have any branding, and they look like an email to your friend. So if you think of a good friend, that's how you should write your email. That's why I always say, hi, you know, first name, because this is how I would write to a friend of mine. And then, you know, at the end, there's like, you know, by Sigrun or something, you know, that's also I want to write to a friend. So you wouldn't skip those things suddenly because it's a newsletter. So if you're any, at any time in doubt how to speak to your audience, just think about you're writing to a friend. You can do the same thing on social media. Uh, instead of, you know, trying to sell something, I always find a story relating to what I'm selling. Here's the story. And then at the end, oh, by the way, I'm doing a webinar next week or, you know, doors are open to this program. You can always put in, you know, that's the power of story. Just wired. If they are following you, they're following you because they like your stories. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. Yeah, the, the, this is a great tips because uh, even when we discuss with people who understand the importance of uh, own story, they see it in a very like high level, like you would maybe presented it in your TED talk, the story of the childhood and then the adults, so a very big thing. But what you are saying that we can find stories in everyday life and actually attach it to uh, something we want to convey uh, as a message. So it shouldn't be necessarily like one lifetime event happened to us. No, there are stories everywhere. Absolutely. We need to be able to uh, translate them and, and connect them to our ideal clients so that they are relevant. You know, why am I telling a story? It has to be important to me, but also the person that should be reading the story. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We haven't discussed it much um, now, but defining the audience is one of the key uh, elements of building the brand because you can't talk to everybody because every, when you talk to everybody, it's, you're talking to nobody. So you really need to know what are those groups of people you are connecting with and then build the stories and the communication based on uh, their, their language, their interests, their um, problematics. Yeah. Yes, and if you tell the right story, which uh, really relates to your target audience, to those groups of people who have, again, the same values, the same ideas about life, business, this is how you also get clients through your stories. Absolutely. I was thinking that like in, in building personal brand, there is this uh, point of following uh, that very often people who are following you, it's maybe you uh, as an avatar for them. So it's you maybe 10 years or five years ago, because they're looking to go through this path and they see the person who had similar um, difficulties or challenges and successfully overcome. Uh, them and achieve the objectives and then it becomes more credible for people to follow because the person knows the solution so they uh, kind of uh, modeling that uh, type of behavior or the, the path yeah. yeah you become like a role model for them definitely mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and show them the path that if you could do that and here's your story how you were overcoming and getting to your point so they then can 
also do the same. Exactly. Sigrun, and if we speak about uh, what we call in our methodology, taking up, it's about uh, scaling your business and scaling your brand. What tips could you share? Well, it was always important for me to scale. I came into the coaching world knowing that I wanted to scale my business and, and create a, a bit of a bigger business. I did not imagine to have a bigger as big as a business as I have today, but I still realized that, you know, I wanted to create a, a one-to-many offer, you know, not one-to-one, but one-to-few and one-to-many. I realized also that you kind of have to get to know your ideal client first. Uh, so that was my first assignment in my head to really understand what does my ideal client need and how can I create offers that help them. So after doing one-on-one -on -one coaching for a while, uh, I, the next step for me was to do group programs where I could help a few people. Uh, group programs are typically not so scalable, but uh, I actually run a group program today that has 100 people in it but I have multiple coaches. So there are six coaches in the program. Uh, so the first thing is to think about, uh, take whatever you're teaching one-on-one -on -one and how can you start to scale it? And for that, you need to have some sort of a steps or uh, you know, method. Before you can start to scale, you have to look at what is working uh, when you're working one-on-one -on -one. Uh, because in a scalable program, people are going typically through the same process at the same time. So you need to have some steps. Um, so I had been helping clients uh, with launching. It became my favorite things to help my clients, you know, basically scale and create online courses and, and, and launch them. So the first group program I offered, I was already one and a half years into my business was launched with passion. And it was an eight week program. And then I would take them through the steps of launching. So everyone is learning the same thing at the same time. They had different things they wanted to launch. One wanted to launch a podcast, another one a book, another one a website, another one a course. Typically today, I only help people launch actually like programs uh, and not, not website or books. But the principles are pretty much the same. So I started to develop my method for teaching this. And once you have taught a few people in a group, I had a group of, of six, two groups of six in total 12, you know, you start to think about, okay, do I want to teach this as an online course where you can potentially have, you know, 100 people or 1,000 people at the same time going through the same method? And uh, the biggest, uh, you know, I, in, I was already uh, in my fourth year of business where I really came out with my Samba program, Sigrun's Online MBA. And there we have now thousands of people who've gone through it. And you have to start to teach differently. When you teach one-on-one, -on -one, you are synchronous like this. You know, I say something, you say something, we can be on Zoom. And maybe we have emails happening in between. They are asynchronous. Uh, in a group setting, you can again have a mixture of synchronous and asynchronous, but typically in a group setting, you will opt for as much synchronous as you can. But when you go to bigger programs and wanna scale more, the teaching methods change a bit and you wanna provide content in a way that is very easily digestible and they can watch whenever they want. 
And so my, my, my teaching changed from being, let's say, an hour long webinar or half an hour long training to be little five minute videos with really clear instructions. Uh, and then there's a Q&A call later that same week. So this happens pretty much organically, but it can happen faster once you know that this is the way you teach. You teach differently when you teach on a large scale. We currently have about 450 people in the course that I'm running. They're all creating their online courses, their first online course or second online course. And the, the videos have gotten like the, the teaching instructions have gotten shorter and simpler. People do not need to know as much as we think. We, we're such an expert and we're always trying to like, oh, I'll teach you everything I know, but that's not how it works. Like the, the, your, your student also has to create their own learning. And uh, it can be frustrating when people say, wow, why haven't you teach me everything you know? I'm like, I want you to make your own conclusions because that has lasting effect. That's really how people learn and internalize things. So in terms of scaling, uh, you can scale group coaching programs if you have more coaches. And then if you have, uh, as I said, now I run a course of 450 students. I have uh, two coaches in there and a couple of mentors students as well. So, but you know, I was teaching programs with let's say 100, 150 students all on my own when I realized if I wanted to scale more, I needed to get some help as well. But you can only do it once you have a method. I'm always the teacher in my programs, like all the videos are still with me, but that will also change in the future because why does it need to be me? I don't know everything in the world. And that's where we have to let the ego go a bit. Thank you very much for sharing it, Sigrun. And uh, we are coming up to the end of our conversation. There are actually not that much time left. I would like to check with the participants, with the audience, what questions do you have to Sigrun? So she has been sharing so generously a lot of information, really amazing tips for those who are just starting building their personal brand and for those who are already at some, let's say, next step next stage even if you are uh, trying for example and thinking about launching programs again what Sigrun shared with us now you can easily implement it into your strategy when you work on your business and your brand maybe one our parting uh, question um, to Sigrun so the world is changing dramatically lately at this uh, COVID crisis I think uh, push everybody online and the rule of the game uh, uh, evolving if you would start to build your personal brand and the business now, uh, what would be uh, maybe the, the first steps or the, the strategy you would uh, uh, apply? I would immediately find a way to make money. Yeah, people wait with that way too long. Find what people are willing to buy from you. A lot of people spend a lot of time on social media, creating content, whatever, blogging or video or podcast and lots of posts and then Months later, they're still frustrated. Oh, why am I not selling anything? If you start with selling, you have your answer, you have your ideal client, then you create content to attract more people like that. Mm -hmm. So start with the end in mind. What is your monetization strategy? And then build the rest to support this, this uh, strategy. Well, I think we, we, we should make it simpler. I wouldn't even call it monetization strategy. Sell just, even if it's one hour coaching or a 
coaching package of six sessions, just get selling, start to sell. You don't need to have figured out your whole, you know, strategy for everything. Just get out there, talk to a lot of people, figure out what they want, and then start to sell. And then from there, you can start to devise your strategy in a, in a better way. Just mm-hmm. selling your expertise directly, right? Uh-huh. And uh, there is a um, um, question from the audience, how much, uh, from Jackie, how much online presence is ideal when starting out and uh, where is the best? I think it's yeah, a common question, like people are afraid to spend all their life being there online and... Uh... It depends. Mm-hmm. Depends, you know. Uh, I am going live every single day on some platform. I'm on Clubhouse, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook. This is just a part of running the business. There is no stress around this. This is just like going to the office. This is like drinking water. Uh, it's maybe stressful when you're not doing it. Uh, but once it becomes a part of uh, running the business, it's, it's, it's no stress around it. I'm not stressed at all. It's just like doing a, a, you know, a daily check-in with my executive assistant that I, have, that I do something live. So I think first or foremost is to understand how you're going to make money. Make a sales first and then create. I've never created a single thing in my business before I sold it first. And luckily, because otherwise I would have created this course in my first year of business where one person bought, that would be a complete waste of time. So create, you know, sell first and then create. Once you know who is willing to buy from you and you like working with this person, then you can figure out where does this person hang out? We have now all these amazing new platforms like TikTok and Clubhouse. Is the person hanging up there? Maybe. It is not just for young people. Clubhouse, definitely not. Um, Find out where your ideal client is hanging out and then you create your content strategy around that. It's not about what, you know, what is popular, what's best right Mm -hmm. now. Even if I like Instagram, it might not be what is right for you. So I would never recommend one specific platform. LinkedIn is also very popular right now. It's It's like the old Facebook. You can still get some organic reach. It's harder since Gary Vaynerchuk started to recommend it, uh, (laughs) but it's still possible. Clubhouse, people have been adding 1,000 and 2,000 followers in weeks. It's so going so fast. Now, you need to still, every platform you, any platform you decide on, you need to spend some time on it. Nothing happens, like you're not going to create something from nothing unless you do something for it. Absolutely. Yes. There are some questions uh, and I see from Mia, is it okay if those on freelancing stage still do scaling right away, creating course, group program? Freelancing, I would imagine that hey, it's like selling your time for money, doing some work for hours for someone. Yeah, you can start to scale right away, but if you don't have the community, it's going to be hard. So I have a process that I take my clients through and I get them up and going. So currently, as I said, there's 450 students. They're creating their first or next online course. And we give them four weeks to get clear on what their course should be about. Now they're creating their course. Uh, And then afterwards, depending on how many people they have followers, we have different strategies. If you have less than 100, you cannot sell a course because only 3% buy. 
So scaling strategies need to be coupled with uh, followers, you know? So in order to get more followers, you need to offer something for free, like I did, weekly webinars, or in this case, a free online course or, or a webinar like we're doing here now. Like you need to build some followers. You can absolutely scale in your first year in business. No problem. You can offer courses and other programs, but don't try to offer, let's say, an online course and you have 50 people on your email list. 3% of 50 is one and a half person. <laughs> and one and a half person is not an online course. Then it's better to offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. So yes, you can scale quickly, but it's coupled with a numbers game. We wanted to thank you, Sigrun, to um, join us and generously share your uh, experience. And uh, yeah, I think it was very valuable. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you very much for being so honest and uh, giving really great tips. Thank you. Because uh, when you have that practical experience that you can share, this is really priceless for people who are just uh, stepping into their first experience of building their brand and growing their business. Thanks to Sigrun for such an interesting discussion. And our takeaway today is your business can change and evolve. Your job can change, but your personal brand goes beyond the company name and stays with you as the best business asset, bringing your followers with you. If you liked this episode, rate it, leave your comments and subscribe to our podcast. Feel free to share it also with your friends and colleagues who want to grow their professional visibility and build a powerful personal brand.